Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Believe in UConn Women's Basketball Podcast. Like always, I am your host, Jacob DeLawrence. And, hey, it's another day, another game, another win. All seems right for Connecticut, right? And not so much. Not not, not so much. Lady Huskies took on UCF. Lady Huskies did win the game, 59-52. However, it's only a seven-point win against a team like UCF. Yeah, there, there's a lot to discuss, and we're going to get to that. But, of course... Before we do that, we just got to handle a little simple housekeeping. For those of you that may be new here, just want to let you know that you can like, share, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. That's right, the Fab Five, we're there, we're available on all of them. So hey, it doesn't matter if you got an iPhone, you got an Android, using your work tablet, using your iPad for work, we got you. Apple Podcast, just go to open up the search bar, Believe in UConn, that's B-L-E-A-V-I-N-U-C-O-N-N, and it'll pull it right up. Matter of fact, you can do the same thing on Spotify, it'll pull it right up. We're there for you. There's no reason for you not to like and share and subscribe to this podcast, unless you're like a fan of Tennessee or something, and then I'm just trying to figure out why you're listening, but thank you for the play. Also, don't forget to go to Believe.com, click on the Shows tab, and go check out one of the several other shows that we have on the Believe Podcast Network. Matter of fact, I believe the last count was 182 shows, and we're adding them daily. So I'm telling you, we got something for you. You you have to have hobbies outside of UConn basketball. And if you're not, I appreciate your commitment and your dedication and your loyalty to the brand, to the team, to all things Lady Huskies. Because, woo. Oh, look, man, I love the Lady Huskies, but I got some other interests because basketball only goes for so long. I got to do something during the summer. I can only watch so many WNBA games and see Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi and Maya Moore light up the league. I, I can only watch so much. They only show so much on TV, so you got to have some other hobbies. There's got to be something. Like you're a fan of Netflix, I'm sure that you've heard or seen the show Last Chance You before. Coach Jason Brown for the last two seasons out of Independence, Kansas. Out there was building a national title contender for junior colleges. And then all of a sudden it all fell out. Why don't you go check out his podcast, the Slap Dick Podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Coach Jason Brown, highly entertaining podcast. Every week he's coming, talking about any and everything going on in the world of sports. Who knows what he might talk about next? Hey, who knows who might show up? You might catch me on an episode down the road. I'm not saying I'm going to be on there. I'm just saying that show is highly entertaining and unpredictable. It is a well-solid listen. Well-solid. That that didn't sound right, but you know what? You you guys know what I meant. It's a a quality listen. There we go. And also, it's it's Oscar. It's movie season. It's movie award season. We just had the Golden Globes. We got SAG Awards coming up this weekend. That's the Screen at the Guild. Award for those that aren't familiar with the acronym. So go check out one of our infinite po- movie podcasts. There's a little bit for everything for you. Football fans, 49er fans in particular, 
Greg, I know you're listening, so I'm talking to you directly here. Go to Believe.com and subscribe to the Believe in 49ers podcast, man. Just go ahead and do it. You love the Niners. Niners gang, go subscribe. Listen, you got the conference championships coming up this week. About to get that Super Bowl matchup set. So go ahead. We got you. Overwatch fans. Fans of any and everything. Date. Hey, if you're trying to figure out why you keep getting catfished on dating apps, we got podcasts for that. We got it all, man. This is why we're the number one podcast network for professionals. It's not just a fancy little catch line, little hat, little tag, little saying. No, it's the truth. We're the best, like DJ Khaled. Now, like I said, Connecticut, UCF, single-digit win on the road. Just played Memphis. You got all the excuses in the world, but UCF was 9-5 going into the game. They're a tough team. They'll likely make the tournament. However, again, I said this in a prior episode, when it comes to women's basketball, you have the upper echelon, the elite of the elite. Then you have like two rungs down, and then you have like another little step down, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff, as some people like to put it. There's just a large discrepancy in, I don't know if it's talent or coaching, but there's a discrepancy somewhere, whether it's talent, coaching, facilities, budget, whatever you want to say, there's a discrepancy and it's noticeable. So a team like Connecticut should not struggle with a team like UCF. More so, a team like Connecticut should not struggle against a team like UCF when you just played Memphis the day before and you just played Houston on Sunday. You shouldn't struggle. And you lost to Baylor last Thursday. You should not struggle. If this UCF game was right after the Baylor game, I could see how Connecticut could struggle because when you lose such a tightly contested game, Going well into the fourth quarter against a rival, against a top five team in Baylor, it takes a lot out of you. And you only have one or two ways to respond. You come out and punch somebody in the mouth and you make them pay, a la the Houston game. Are you kind of look a little lethargic? You're going through the motions. You struggle and you either get upset or almost get upset, which this would make more sense if it was in that context. However, it wasn't. And it was just a bad night, to be honest with you. Wasn't the best shooting night from either the field or three-point land. Turnovers were high. Not to mention, in the fourth quarter, which made this game really close, Connecticut went on a scoreless drought for about three minutes toward the end of the fourth quarter, which allowed UCF to chip away at one point. It was a 10-point game with about a minute and 30 seconds left. I know a lot of people are sitting here thinking, 10 points, a minute 30? Oh, that that game should be a wrap. No, I've seen many of basketball games where a 10-point lead can get erased like that in a blink of an eye because all it takes is a couple threes. That's down to four. You get a couple stops. Boom, boom. They're not scoring, so the lead's still four. You drive down. You get an and one. You hit a shot. That's three now. It's a one-point game, and you may have taken off 45 seconds of the clock. So, it happens. No lead. It's really comfortable in basketball until you get within 30 seconds. If it's double digits and you're down to about 30, 20 seconds, you can kind of breathe a little easy, kind of relax your shoulders and sit back a little bit. But even then, weird things have happened. But hey, let's just look at the box score real quick before we break things down individually, get a little game recap in, and we're going to have preview some things upcoming. 
looking here, the first quarter, tie game at the end of one, 13-13. You can say the late Huskies maybe started a little slow, you know, coming off of Memphis, which was a tight game. So you're like, all right, you know, it kind of takes you a little second. Okay, whatever, fine. Second quarter, Connecticut puts up 16. UCF only scores three points. Three points, UCF, in a whole quarter. At this point, it's 19 to 16. I'm sorry, 29 to 16 going into half. Connecticut is up by 13. You have to be feeling like if you're a Connecticut fan and you're watching the game like I was, you're feeling like, all right, this is looking good. We should be able to come out third quarter, apply a little pressure, create a gap, and next thing you know, it's going to look like a trademark Connecticut victory. Not so much. UCF puts up a fight in the third quarter. Huskies put up 12. UCF puts up 11. All right, you just cut it down a good little bit. Cool. And then we get to the fourth quarter where things get ugly. UCF outscored Connecticut by seven going into the fourth, by seven in the fourth quarter. 25 points for UCF in the fourth. Connecticut put up 18. Like I mentioned, Connecticut went on a drought of roughly three minutes without scoring a single point. That right there will easily take you out of a game and more so put your opponent back into a game. That is where UCF cut it down because while Connecticut wasn't scoring, UCF was able to take advantage of it and score a few buckets, get a little bit of momentum going. However, when you put yourself in such a hole that UCF did, it's a little difficult to overcome that even if Connecticut isn't scoring, which is why the Huskies were able to win 59-52. It would have been a 10-point victory. It would have been double digits. Had there not been a foul committed with 10 seconds left, Connecticut fouls a three-point shooter. She steps to the line. She knocks down all three, making it a seven-point game. Connecticut inbounds the ball. There's a held ball with, like, two seconds left. They inbound it. Nothing goes on. Connecticut's able to escape with a seven-point win. And that's that as far as just box scoring looking at it. The interesting fact out of this is the fact that Connecticut only won by seven points. That's the first time since 2017 that Connecticut has had a conference game decided by less than double digits. We are in the middle of January of 2020. So since 2017, you could say essentially two and a half seasons, if not three seasons, Connecticut hasn't had a conference game decided by single digits. I don't care who you are, who you're playing, what level you're playing. The fact that you can run all three years of conference play, including the tournament, including your conference tournament, and any potential matchups against a conference opponent in March Madness, and not lose, I'm sorry, not only did you not lose, you won every single game by at least 10 points. That is impressive in of itself. Also, Connecticut extends its win streak over the American Athletic Conference to a whopping 125-plus wins in a row with no losses. This is what happens where football creates problems for other conferences. Because for those that may not be familiar, roughly five, maybe six years ago, right in that time frame, football conference realignment was a real popular thing. Real big thing. Now, Big East football. <laughs> uh, that, that's Big East football. You may have thought I lost my place, but no. That is just Big East football. It is a laughing matter. Like, it's horrible. It's atrocious. So, 
when all the other conferences started realigning, driven by football 90% of the time. I'm looking at you, SEC, adding Texas A&M and Missouri because you couldn't get Texas out of the Big 12, but that's a different story for a different day. All the other conferences around start to panic and start to make moves as well. And what happens is conferences that aren't necessarily known for football because football drives TV money. TV money drives your athletic budget. There's not a lot of schools in the country where their athletic departments as a whole are turning profits, let alone one team is turning a profit. So you have to make these decisions based upon the greater good, and I'm using air quotes around that, for your whole athletic department so that you can potentially have some more funds and influx of income to help out all your other sports that don't necessarily have the TV contracts, such as your swimming teams, your lacrosse teams, your women's soccer team, your field hockey, your men's soccer, your volleyball, your golf teams, teams like that. The quote-unquote non-revenue generating sports is what a lot of people like to refer to them as. So when all that happened, the biggies that a lot of us grew up knowing, where you had Syracuse, Georgetown, Connecticut, Pitt, all of that kind of just disintegrated, just went up in smoke. And what happened was all of those teams, when it came to football, they kind of were like, well, if our football program was in the Big East, they're like, all right, what do we do? Well, if you're Syracuse, you're like, bye, I'm going to the ACC. If you're Pitt, bye, I'm going to the ACC. If you're Rutgers, bye, I'm going to the Big Ten. It's like, all right, well, what do we do here at Connecticut? Um, So there's a bunch of, like, mid-major schools like UCF, Memphis, SMU, Houston. You know, just kind of all spread out, mostly over the South that aren't quite good enough. A lot of Conference USA rejects. Hey, guys, let's form a conference, American Athletic Conference, the AAC. Because that's not confusing with the ACC. But yeah, so that's what happens. And Connecticut was like, you know what? We have name value. We're the big dogs here. We might suck at football, but we have the most dominant women's program. And we have a highly respectable men's program. So, all right, we'll join. We'll lead this way. And thus, Connecticut ends up in a conference with a bunch of less than ideal opponents. You don't have the built-in regional rivalries anymore. Now you have to manufacture rivalries such as a UCF, a Memphis, an SMU, a Houston, teams of that nature. These are more so manufactured rivalries versus natural rivalries such as an Auburn, Alabama, a Florida, Florida State, a Connecticut, Tennessee is a natural rivalry because it's a competition to be the best. That created that rivalry, same thing with Notre Dame. Then you have the natural built-in ones, Connecticut, Syracuse. Nobody likes the orange. Nobody likes Bayheim zone. Zone is for cowards. So you have those rivalries, and those things are what drives college basketball and that breeds competition because you're getting kids out of the same school or that played against each other in high school, and you're keeping them together. Things are high level. Not anymore. You get the American Athletic Conference, this is what you get if you're Connecticut. Hey, man, it's a cakewalk to a number one seed because we'll run conference play. We'll have a five or six out of conference big time 
marquee matchups. We usually handle those. And yeah, but Connecticut is going back to the Big East in next year, if I'm not mistaken. If not, it'll be a year after that. And the Big East will kind of look back like the Big East used to, minus, of course, Syracuse and Pitt and Rutgers. Nobody cares about Rutgers anyway. But that is essentially how we get to Connecticut, curb stopping everybody and the expectation that Connecticut should blow out a UCF. And why I come here after watching this game happy that, hey, we won. We didn't take a bad loss because this would have been a bad loss and an unnecessary loss. But yet, it did not look good. It didn't look good because the Lady Husky shot 39% from the field as a team. 38.5 if you want to be exact. They were 20 of 52. From three-point land, they were 26% from the field. Five for 19. Foul line, they shot a respectable 70%, 14 of 20. And just looking, sure enough, what's the one thing that I said would be this team's downfall that's going to be an issue? Turnovers. They had 18 turnovers as a team. Again, dead ball turnovers don't hurt you as much. If you bounce it off your foot, if you lose the handle and it goes out of bounds, gives you a second to set up. Out of these 18 turnovers, I'm just off the top of my head from what I just watched, I say roughly half of them were live ball turnovers. You have to cut that number down. If you need proof, go back and watch the Baylor game. Those live ball turnovers against higher quality opponents gives them a chance to run, gives them a chance to get out in the open, and a chance to attack. You can't turn the ball over, and then they get it, and they go score two. That's a four-point swing right there. Because you just took two off of your own score, and they just got two. At minimum, that is four. At most, that is six, if not seven. Or eight, depending upon if somebody's dumb enough to foul. So things like that, those are the things that Lady Huskies have to clean up. Like, you just have to. Because you have Oregon on the schedule coming up. You have Tennessee coming up. You have to get these things under control. Because more importantly, even looking past Oregon and Tennessee, like I said, the whole goal for this season is a national title. Don't care about going undefeated. Baylor took care of that for us. Thank you, guys. I still just want to cut down the nets at the end of March, first part of April. So 18 turnovers. Yeah, that'll get you. Okay, we'll get in there. You know, we might get a one seed, maybe a two. That's fine. Yeah, we'll go ahead and cakewalk through the first round. We'll go ahead and get through the round of 32. You know, Sweet 16, yeah, that ain't no problem. We we can turn over the ball right around 18 times. You get to that Elite Eight, and depending upon who you see in the Elite Eight, 18 turnovers ain't going to get you nothing but a trip back to stores. And that is a problem. And, of course, Geno has shown that he knows when to apply pressure to his team and when to turn things up. But with turnovers still being, we are 16 games into this season. And you're averaging 13, okay, fine. But you're hitting 15, 16, 18 turnovers. You're getting real close to 20 turnovers a game on a fairly consistent basis. That becomes less of a, I don't want to say, it's less of a trend. Are just like having a moment of like, oh, you know, we just had a couple bad games. No, this is who you are. You are a team that is prone to turn the ball over. It's just like looking at Irwin and her stats. She either doesn't score or gives you about three, five. Maybe you'll get 10 out of her. 
That's not a trend. That's who she is as a scorer. Also, we don't look to her to score, but that is who she is. She, You can tell that, hey, you know what? I'm going to get about a solid five out of you. Hey, you might give me 10 oh, on a really good night where you're feeling it. You give me 15, and I'm going to be sitting here like, ooh, all right. Boy, you guys are in for a low night because she's hitting, and she's feeling good. So these are things that you just have to look at and be like, no, that's not a trend. That is who you are. You are who we thought you were. To quote Dennis Green, so let's just go ahead and check through the box score. Since I mentioned Irwin, she uh, chipped in with three. Megan Walker led the way with nineteen. Olivia Nelson gave us nine. Williams gave us five. Dangerfield gave us thirteen. The bench gave us ten as a unit. It gives you fifty-nine fouls. Megan Walker had four. Olivia had four. Yeah, got to do a little bit better. Walker fouled out a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry, a couple games ago where Williams was able to step up and put Wichita State away. So it's nice to know that if we don't have Megan Walker, players can and will step up. But you still want to have one of your best players, if not your best player, on the bench. I'm sorry, not on the bench. Last place you want her is on the bench because she found out you need her on the court. Rebounds, Olivia Nelson gave us 12. She had 10 defensive it was solid. Ten offensive rebounds from the Lady Huskies as a group, which I'm really impressed with. That gives you a lot of second-chance opportunities. Twelve assists as a team. You only put up 59 points. You could do a little bit better with the assist, especially considering how you made. Actually, I take that back. No, 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 no. You you hit 20 shots. You hit 25 shots. I'll take it. Hey, 12 assists, not too bad. You like to see that number be a little bit higher, but also you have a lot of Things that would have been assist, but the ball didn't go in. Ball bounced out, so you can't be overly mad. It looked like a solid team effort. If you watch it, the ball was moving. It wasn't really sticking. You can't complain about it too much. And that's the box score. If we, let's just look at UCF real quick. Solid spread out. 9, 7, 18, 4, and 0 from their starters. They got another 14 from the bench. UCF shot 6.7% from three-point land, one for 15. That is really bad on Connecticut by the fact that UCF only hit one three the whole entire game, and they were able to lose by seven. It sets up, if you shoot 7% from three-point land and 35% from the field and 61% from the line, nine times out of ten, not only are you losing, you're going to lose badly because that just says you weren't on it. And also, you had 18 turnovers. So 18 to 18, sure, canceled each other out. But everything that on UCF side, looking at the box score, sets you up for a disastrous defeat. The fact that they were able to hold on and only lose by seven, thanks to a couple, I'm sorry, a couple clutch shots at the end, with the foul shots and Connecticut going inept for three minutes and not being able to buy a bucket helps your case. But all in all, it's not the best performance by the Lady Huskies. It's been a rough week. The Memphis game, not their best performance either. Like I talked about and discussed, they got to do better. Houston, We'll just call that an outlier because you played Baylor before you lost at home. You were going to come out one or two ways, either upset and looking to punch somebody in the mouth, or you were going to fold and kind of just struggle through 
And if everybody was going to go bet money, they were going to put money that Gina would have those women ready to roll out and just hit Houston in the mouth. And that's exactly what they did because Houston's coach even made the statement that she said they just came out, hit us in the mouth, and we kind of folded for the first quarter. We weren't prepared for it. We fought back in the second when they had their starters, but at that point we're already down significantly, and then they hit us again. So it's been a rough week for the Lady Huskies. You take a loss to Baylor, you hit Houston in the mouth, blow them out, you pull one off against Memphis, and then you hold on, you slug your way through one against UCF. UCF's a tough team, a physical team. They do things well that Connecticut doesn't necessarily do well. It's just... mm, you could almost call it the dog days of summer for the season. It's the middle of the season. You're tregging your way through conference play. Nobody in your conference is really considered a threat to you. So you're just kind of like, all right, we can just chug along. You just played Memphis. Now you're in Orlando. You're just like, all right, what? who's up next? Oh, that's right. We got Tennessee coming down the pipeline soon. Looking ahead, it it is what it is. It's not the best performance. I'm not happy with it. I don't feel comfortable with it because this team, these two games, it's right now it's just a little it's a little trend. It's not who they are. Minus the turnovers that they're they're a turnover prone team. Hopefully we can cut that down, but it's you're slugging your way through. It's ugly. It's nothing to write home about. I don't know what else to say, honestly, because I'm sitting here at a loss for words at how Connecticut is struggling right now, and it may honestly be a hangover from Baylor, and it may also be looking forward, which isn't the right thing to do, because as you can see, if UCF had another minute or two, they may honestly have shocked the world and pulled the upset, because Connecticut going cold, dead cold, for three minutes is very unconnecticut like and against a better team, that will get you a loss. That will hand you a loss. And it may honestly be a loss that they need because this is unacceptable by UConn standards. You were able to break it open at the end of the first half, and then you kind of just fell asleep at will. So that is the UCF game. Next up for the Lady Huskies will be this Sunday where Tulsa rolls in to town and this this game just looking at it on paper Tulsa's 5 and 12 0 and 4 in conference play Connecticut 15 and 1 like I've mentioned 6 and 0 in conference haven't hasn't lost a conference game since joining the conference 126 and 0 you're looking at this you're like man I'm not gonna waste my time on a Sunday afternoon to watch this game like why why would I do this well the reason why you watch this game is this game is a telltale game. This game, I promise you, you can likely go back at the end of the season and look at it, and in hindsight, you'll be like, wow, that Tulsa game told us everything we need to know about Connecticut. For better or for worse, for good or for bad, this Tulsa game will tell you what you need to know about this team. Because like I said, Tulsa's 5-12. and 12. They haven't looked that great this year. Connecticut should come out and hand Tulsa a trademark UConn beatdown. I'm talking a 30-40 plus point victory where the game is over by the end of the first half, if not sooner. Now, if Connecticut Connecticut comes out 
and they struggle with Tulsa for more than a quarter. If halfway through the second quarter, Tulsa's hanging around within, we'll say, 10, 10 points, it's going to be the margin, then you kind of got to you know sit a little bit up in your chair watching the game and go, what's going on here? Is this team who they is this is this my Connecticut? This in the Connecticut, I know. Look to whoever's watching with you. Hey man, this this not no no okay yeah I didn't think this was Connecticut. Like what's going on here? Of course they can easily ratchet it up and pull away, but halfway through that second quarter, if they're still turning the ball over, still looking a little lethargic, a little sloppy, that might be a sign that this team isn't where we the fans think they are where experts thought they would be, and more than likely where Gino thought this team was going to be. Because Gino did say going into the season, hey, um, I don't know what to tell you, but this team is missing a lot. This isn't the team last year. We have a lot of pieces that are missing. We have players stepping into new roles. We don't have Westbrook, who we thought we were going to get from transfer. The NCAA thought We thought the NCAA was going to approve it. That's a whole issue separate of itself which I look to discuss going into the Tennessee game. She left Tennessee. So I look to discuss exactly what happened with her time at Tennessee, leaving Tennessee, and just everything around that because that just adds another layer to the Connecticut-Tennessee rivalry, which, for those that don't know, just what you think, you can't get any deeper or any more weird or bizarre or childish are petty in this rivalry, there's always another layer. From Maya Moore to Westbrook to Gino and Pat Summit, rest her soul, to any and everybody that wears creamsicle orange, volunteer orange, to Yukon blue, it this rivalry has seen it all, and that's off the court. There's been almost nothing that hasn't been said that you're just like, wow. No way you said that. And it's like, all right, we've reached a new point. There, nah, nobody. Oh, uh, okay. No, oh, all right. That's how you really feel. It's just a bunch of one-upsmanship. And it's fun. From a fan perspective, it is fun to watch because people think there's no competitiveness, there's no spiciness of women's basketball. There's very spicy in women's basketball. They talk as much trash and as much noise about the men, especially when you get those rivalries between teams are just more so coaches that can't stand each other. I'm pretty sure you'd be hard-pressed to get Gino off the record to say something nice about Tennessee. If you ask Gino, hey, Gino, say something nice about Tennessee. Not Pat Summit. Leave Pat out of it. Just Tennessee, say something nice. I would love to be a fly on the wall to see how long it takes him to think of something. But that's Tennessee. That is next week, the 23rd. Tulsa is Sunday at 12 p.m., that's going to be, I'm telling you, that is a game that you have to watch. Watch the first half of it, see how it looks. Go back, check the box score, check the game recap. If you're not able to watch it, ask somebody that did watch it, watch a few videos from it, because this is going to be a game that we're going to come back and look at it and be like, yep, you were right. Connecticut played like this, and now I see why they played like that down the road in the tournament. If you don't believe me, I don't know what to tell you, but this is the perfect game it's not a trap game. It's more of a who are you game where you have to identify and establish an identity. You have to identify yourself as either we're Connecticut, we have a legacy, we have a standard to keep, 
we're going to continue to smash you in the mouth like we've been doing. Or, hey, um, I know our jersey says Yukon or Husky or Connecticut across it, but um, we're struggling a little bit this season, guys. So, you know, just just bear with us. We're No. It, figure out who you are in Connecticut. Tulsa's the perfect opponent to do it. Handle your business. And we can keep things moving because, like I said, Tennessee next week. After Tennessee, you get Eastern Carolina, you get Cincinnati. Not going to call them cupcakes, but you get two easier games. And then you get Oregon. And then a week after Oregon, you get South Carolina, who is currently ranked number one. And you got to take the trip to South Carolina. Now is a good time as ever to figure out who you are, how you're going to play, and what you're going to do from here on out. Because you can either fold and just completely shut down. You can continue to struggle. Or you can establish an identity that says, hey, we might turn the ball over 18 times a game. And you should be thankful that we turn it over 18 times a game instead of 12 or 10. Because if we turned it over 12 or 10, we would be beating every last one of you by 30 or 40 points. So enjoy these little 10-point victories because we're better than this. We're figuring it out. And that is it for me. This episode... Connecticut 59, UCF 52. Not the best, not the worst. It's close to the worst. It really is. Hopefully, they'll be able to take a couple days off. Today's Thursday as I record this. So Friday, when you're listening to it, the ladies should be back in Connecticut. You probably give them Friday off. Or at least Friday morning, you go through walkthrough on Saturday, maybe early Sunday morning. Kind of just, hey, all right, let's go, let's go again. Tulsa, it's a standard game. Who are you? We will find out Sunday, and I will be here to give you my thoughts and feedback, break everything down, let you know what I saw, what I liked, what I didn't like, what can be improved on, and exactly who the Lady Huskies are. Until next time, I'm your host, Jacob DeLawrence. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at underscore Jadella. Also, give Believe a follow as well at Believe Podcast. That's B L E A V podcast on twitter we're connecticut you're not sorry not sorry bleed blue go huskies thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.